We love you guys and love being a part of this family. And I don't know what was about this morning, but maybe it's because we knew we were going to share, but (laughs) um, something was really sweet in the room this morning. It was like I could feel hearts releasing praise to Jesus and genuine gratitude to the Father. And man, that feels good to be family with you. Um, We want to share something with you before we get into um, what's been on our heart to to teach this morning. I guess the end of June, early July, I don't know when exactly, it'll be seven years that we've been on leadership here at Gateway. And um, one year as interim elders and six years as, as I don't know, official, <laughs> official elders, um, official members of leadership, let's put it that way. And since the first of the year, we've just been kind of processing some things and talking with our friends on leadership, because that's how we view you guys, as your friends that we get to serve with and um, have hard conversations together and love each other and also love you as a result of that. Um, Back in December, God kind of challenged us with some things, and... We realized we were entering a new season, and really sense that we're supposed to take a about six months at least and and step away from our leadership role and um, spend some focused time together for family, really caring for each other and focusing in on our children and our marriage, but also um, to allow the Father to kind of set the stage for the next season of life. Um, We don't know what that will look like. It does not mean that we desire to leave leadership. It doesn't mean that we desire to leave this church. Matter of fact, you'll probably still see plenty of us because this is our body. These are the people we're connected to. You are our family. But our plan is that at the beginning of June, um, we'll take six months away from our leadership role and probably meet with a few people that we consider to be mentors and just have some focused time to sit in front of Jesus again and let him speak into our hearts, our lives, um, as we... I guess the easiest way to put it is this. We realize that we have poured out a lot in the last six years. And our reservoir feels a little low. And we don't want to minister out of a a weak place. We want to minister out of a place of of the Father having prepared us and and spoken life and um, show us what the next season is to look like. So, does that make sense? Sabbatical. Sabbatical, exactly. Yeah, I want you to hear clearly, this is not us questioning things regarding Gateway. This is not us desiring to to break relationship in any way. It's us wanting to be 
whole for the good of, of all and especially for Jesus' glory. All right, that's that. Good morning. <laughs> Happy Sunday after Easter. I think this should be as fun for um, me as you because I'm not sure what's really going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Brian knows. He has a plan. but I do have some things I'll read. Um, that should keep me a little in line. I don't know. And it'll be short, and then I'll sit down, and I'll be cheering for him from the pew. Yeah. Uh, This whole thing makes me nervous, but that's okay. (laughs) So last week was, you know, all about resurrection. And that's what Jesus did, you know. He popped right back up out of the grave. And turns out we did too. Um, We have the same life to walk in and the same power to hand out to live in, to, um, to be alive in. So I guess our thought this week is how does that look? What do we do with that? Um, and that's a really personal question. We're not going to stand here and say, hey, this is the formula to follow, and this is what it looks like, and this is how it will be in your life, because it's, uh, it's not that at all. Uh, very unique to each of us, and kind of exciting to dive into. So let me just read what I kind of wrote. I guess I wrote this part. Actually, I was his ghostwriter. <laughs> it's kind of a nice term. I like it. Um, so thinking about the new life, uh, resurrected life, we died with him. Uh, who we were is gone, and who we are now is alive. We, and how does that look as we, as we walk into everyday life? And I, I think sometimes we're tempted to say it, we want it to be maybe safe and comfortable and have it look like abundance and um, a structure that we can predict. <laughs> but it kind of turns out it's not. Um, my experience, and I'll, share, I'll probably share more at the end uh, more like testimony kind of thing, but my experience has been, let me just read it. It looks like adventure. (laughs) It kind of looks like taking this torch and walking into a dark place, Um, loving to the end of yourself and finding out you have more to give, even beyond that. Um, It looks like freedom. It looks like being the, the full you that your creator intended you to be. Uh, And not just, and our small group uh, has started a new series with Dan Nelson, which, Dan Nelson, good grief. He's a thinker. You need to meet him. But, and this line comes from him. It's not just, this new life, it's not just a humanistic flourish from within. It's not just, oh, look at me, look at what I have to offer, and putting that up uh, as your God. <laughs> it's tempting. It's tempting to get your eyes on that. But the truth of what this resurrection life is, it's more like a, a river, 
of beauty and strength that comes from your creator. And it washes over and it washes through. Um, and it wakes up the long sleeping dimensions of you, the parts you didn't know were there or you didn't know needed to be awakened. Um, and it takes away this fear and doubt that have stood guard over those, those parts of you. Um, and I see it as a joint effort. It's, it's not something that you're passive in. It's not like you just, you know, just let that river flow over you. It's a joint effort. It's the, your creator and you the created and, and you, the, together you culminate in this, this perfect union and, and it's the fullest expression of love. And landing there, walking out the new life, walking out the resurrection, and landing on love, and, and what love looks like, and how that goes about in your daily life. Uh, how, how does it flow out of you? It's not something that's meant to stay in. You know, it's not something that is, um, you're not the end point. <laughs> yeah. So how does it expressed? And... Brian's going to make more sense of that. Yeah. At least in one way. Yeah. Did I turn it off? Yeah. You know, so it wasn't supposed to be contained. It doesn't stop right here in my heart or your heart. It, um, you know, what was Jesus' prayer in John 17? You know, Father, you... Bring to me the glory that you have promised, you know. But he also said, I want to share that with those you've given me. I want them to walk in the same thing. And it's interesting, I read it this week, that he, um, he says very specifically, I don't pray these things, you know, his prayer in John 17, I don't pray these things just for these 12 that are right here with me. I pray it for all of those who will believe after them. So that's us. That's ours. He wants to share his glory. He wants union with us and the Father. He wants us to live out of that deep well of relationship. And he wants us to carry his message forward. And so, how does the life and the power and the grace of Christ flow out of this, this vessel? You know, for me, it's here. For you, it's, it's there too. How does it flow out of this vessel, out of this shell that God has put us in for right now? And some of our recent reflections have been on how does this, how does this resurrection life power look as I relate to others? That whole thing of we need to love God and we need to love our neighbor. Um, am I really to be my brother's keeper? And how does this get fleshed out? So let's start back, all the way back in the Garden of Eden and, and kind of think about this thread. And I'm going to paint with some pretty broad brush strokes. So in the Garden, um, if you're familiar with the story, man breaks his relationship with God. There's that creator and created fellowship that's happening there. And man takes part in a lie that he's presented. 
He agrees with, with what really is a lie, something that he already holds, which is a, he's an image bearer of God. So it means all that the Father has is already his. It's already there, but he agrees with the lie that the enemy presents that something is being withheld. And what does the Father do? He seeks him out. He confronts the lie, and he speaks of redemption. So man breaks relationship, and God pursues. He doesn't let go. So later, Cain, Adam's son, breaks relationship with his own brother, kills him, murders him over jealousy, And when God comes and confronts him, Cain kind of rhetorically says, what, am I supposed to be my brother's guardian? And the father's answer is yes. Your relationship to me and your relationship to your brother is important. And then think about how God takes and starts moving throughout history to address these two thoughts. He gives the Ten Commandments, and what does he address? Your relationship to, the, to God and your relationship to each other. It's law. It can feel like a list of rules, but what he's trying to show us is, this is how I want you to relate to me. Don't put things between us. And this is how I want to relate, you to relate to your brother. Don't put barriers in between you. Don't put things between each other. Okay, so jumping ahead, he, he sends Jonah <laughs> to a wicked people, to a neighbor who he despises, runs the opposite direction, right? Remember that. And what does a father do? What does God do? He expresses unexpected mercy and compassion for this this group of people who is despised. And Jonah can't wrap his head around it. (laughs) Why don't you just destroy them? All right, and we'll jump ahead to Jesus now. And he comes and he reveals a father who is quite different He teaches of a father whose view of man, so his view of us, is very different from the way that we view him. And so somebody comes and challenges him and says, what is the greatest commandment? And he asks them, he says, what does the law say? And the person being scholarly says, well, it's love God with all of your heart your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. Go and do these things. But what does he do? He tells a story, right? The Good Samaritan. And in it, he takes our understanding of a neighbor and flips it upside down because you have a priest. 
You know, in our day, you have a preacher. So the person that you expect to do something a certain way doesn't do it the way that, in the story, the way that the people, the listeners would think. And then you have somebody who serves in church, and they also don't respond in the way the people would think. And then Jesus has to bring this other guy into the story, a Samaritan, somebody who the people of Israel intentionally walk around their territory to avoid, have physically put up barriers. They, they walk this way between each other. They put up barriers between each other because they can't enjoy being together. And Jesus brings this guy into the story and allows him to be the one who extends mercy. And he shows us that we cannot separate loving God from loving our neighbor. It's impossible. So the story, and I'm going to ask a number of questions and I don't know that I'll give you a bunch of answers because I wrestle with this and I think we need to wrestle with this too. So that, you know, as we look at this whole thing of we now have a life within us that is abundant and full and adventurous and taking a torch into dark places and learning how to extend ourselves even when we feel we have nothing to give. How does this look out now? How does this look now as we look at those around us? You know, you can look beside you and you can see either your spouse or a friend or somebody that God has brought here to this, to this body. And the thing we have to ask ourselves is, how is this person my neighbor? How do I care for my brother? You know, we've also walked through challenging seasons as a body where we've had people leave us. And the question we have to wrestle with is, how do I care for my brother and my sister? How do I love my neighbor? How do I let this God power that is settled inside of me now, that has been given to me through the resurrection, how do I let that express itself to the friend, the one who I get along with the majority of the time, and also the one who can kind of just rub me the wrong way? How do I get to, to live this out in all the real-life situations that we face? And if we're honest, we face them at home, we face them at work, we face them in church, we face them in community. And if we are going to be the body of Christ, his representation on this earth, we have to be willing to wrestle with him and let him show us how to love our neighbor as ourself. So living this resurrected life in part is learning how to lay down the justification that we have a good reason not to care for another. And instead pick up the questions of how can I love my brother and how can I love my enemy. Our old way of thinking regarding others was put to death with Jesus and a new way of regarding others was given in his resurrection. 
Let me read to you from 2 Corinthians 5. Since we believe that, uh, let's see, no, verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. It's the big temptation of our society, right? We can look and evaluate others based on our ideas and society and scholars and thinkers will give us all good reasons of why we should relate to somebody a certain way and justifications of why we don't have to extend ourselves out beyond a certain point. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So we no longer live with a God view that is eye for eye and curse for curse but it's bless those who curse and misuse. I can now see each person's true value and love them from that position. Dan Moeller 101, right? Don't let sin against you produce sin in you. So what does us releasing the grace of God on earth look like? Jesus came and released grace to both the fringe folk and the religious folk. He didn't let barriers stop him from extending grace. He also didn't safeguard himself. When the Father released him, he walked right into a task, fully understanding what the sacrifice would be. He didn't shrink back. He didn't believe the lie of fear that tells us that there's an acceptable reason not to do the hard thing that God is leading us into. Think about this. Another thing that I enjoy that Dan Muller says, go ahead and put your words in the mouth of Jesus. How do they sound? If they don't sound right in Jesus' mouth, they don't sound right in yours either. Okay, so what if we put our excuses for not loving or for laying down our life or for sacrificing our time and energy and comfort for another? What if we put that in the mouth of Jesus? How does that sound? Where would that leave us? At what place does grace run out? It doesn't. Where have I exhausted the grace of God? I can't. So then where does my grace toward another run out? Does it mean honest, hard conversation sometimes? Yeah, it does. But it means loving another so much that you won't allow the barrier to come in between. You won't let the anger of your own heart murder that brother or that sister. 
So the resurrected life gives us power and purpose for doing the thing that God has called us to. There is no end of God's grace for me or through me to the one he has led me to love. So then, what does the resurrection life look like? Isn't it learning how to live in love? Which love is God. So I learned to live in him. I learned that Jesus is the fullest expression of him and of love. I look at Jesus' life and I see that there's something (laughs) much bigger than I can carry in myself. But it's his power in me. So I say that resurrection life is accepting the complete identity that we have now in Jesus. I encourage you, if you haven't read through the book of Colossians recently, take time this week and read it. You want to know what you have in Christ? Paul spells it out pretty clear in Colossians. There's a whole lot that we have, and it empowers us to do this thing of loving God and loving each other. How does it look to walk in love? Let's take time and read 1 Corinthians 13 together. It looks like patience and kindness. It looks like the fruit of the Spirit being borne out. It looks like the attitude of Jesus that's written in Philippians 2. Give me a second. I don't like it when my Bible makes me push so many buttons. All right, let me just read it. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish and don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but instead gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor. And what's our position now? We're in Christ, right? And gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We get the privilege to journey with Jesus and live this thing out.
How else will the world know that we carry good news unless they see something different in us? That we can face the hard thing and have something other than offense come out. It doesn't know a different way, but we bear a different way. We bear one who has already walked a different way. And this is the fun thing of he invites us to wrestle with him. God invites us to wrestle with him. And, that, and in that wrestling, it allows the transformation that he's working in us to become real. Ready? I'm done. Okay. Well. Well. Oh, sorry. Um. Just say what you're doing. I guess what we wanted to do is before we move into ministry time, if anybody wants to share how God has been challenging them. Do you have an example of how God has been calling you into a different place of grace? Do you have an example of how he's been challenging you to to walk out being his disciple in relationship to others? It's interesting, he gave us opportunity this week to sit down with, with some people and, and have conversation we've been needing to have. And how we were just talking this morning as we were getting ready how good it felt to have the conversation with those friends and, and be in a place of honesty again. And, and um, being able to love them again. Somebody that, you know had made decisions that were hurtful. And so for us, it was, it was walking it out just this week of, of we got to sit down at a table and share food and fellowship with some old friends and remember why we love them and remember why they're our brother and our sister and we get to journey with them. And I guess, if I have my guess, God's been challenging each of us you know, it was interesting that that Penn Clark came and and brought a good word but a challenging word. And and we've had to wrestle with some of the questions that he raised and allow the Father to, to speak life to us. And you know, if we're gonna mature in this walk in this thing as we work together, as we walk together it's going to be by allowing the Father to, to show us how to do this thing with each other. How to be honest and honoring and, and loving, even when it's difficult. So what he's saying is, if any of you have something to share, um, an encouragement or a, a way that you've seen God pour out this resurrection life in you or through you or in your life um, that's what we want you to do and he's making me go first so hang on 
<laughs> Good idea, yeah. Um, and I don't have a specific testimony, but I can, I, I'm going to go first. Yep. Um, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to give a testimony about this because it's been like a year long waking up for me. And, and it's probably culminated in the, um, sabbatical here. (laughs) Uh, but in all the nice things and the, you know, it sounds real good. And Brian did a really great job, um, kind of explaining what's on our hearts, but it feels so messy sometimes when you're waking up into new life and it's frightening and it's um, disorienting (laughs) and you just don't know which way is up. And I, I, some of the things I've just been experiencing have made me question God more than I ever have in my life Um, and look at ways that I have been taught to serve him and ways that I've been taught to perceive him. And it's, it's been difficult. Um, and, I, and I don't like being in that place of not knowing and not being clear on what is okay and what's not. And what is he? Who is he? And who is he not? Where is he? Why am I not feeling him? You know, all those things come into play. And it's um, the, only, the only way is through it, though is what I'm finding, and, uh, and hiding from my questions or not asking them, uh, being uh, content with things I don't understand enough to hold as my own faith. <laughs> I'm not okay with that anymore. Um, and uh, I, I wrote it down in a nice way. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, maybe I can't. Oh, I, I'm just, I'm not satisfied anymore with the God that I've been taught to serve alone. You know, I, he's opening up things to me. Um, I'm pushing into things I don't understand and places where I don't feel comfortable. Um, all for the purpose of finding out who he is for real. And it feels like to me he's big enough for me to do that. He's... He's not saying, cool it, girl, you need to just fall in line here. <laughs> it, it is more like an invitation, and it is, uh, I don't know what's going to come out of it. I don't know where he's leading me, um, but I can't deny that it's his life waking up in me and sending me to to things that I, I would have never dared go to. I mean, just directions in, in, in curiosity or in faith. And he's worth pressing into. He's worth exploring. I'm not going to uh, watch my language. <laughs> I'm not going to foul something up enough that he can't carry me still. You know, I'm done being afraid. And I'm and I'm ready to to find out. And I, yeah, invitation. Come on, it's um, if he's calling you to it. Yeah, do it. Am I done? Let me look. Yeah, I'm done. This past Tuesday. 
Bob and I celebrated 53 years of married life. And we went to a counselor to sign up for a counselor uh, because uh, the new doctor that we've been going through felt that uh, Bob needed it again. Not because he's been messing up, it's just because she thought it was good for him to go. So we went in and so we told her that, you know, we had been married for 53 years and she said, well, how did you do that? (laughs) Because I've just been married for a little over a year and she was due to have a baby in two weeks and she was having contractions and she said, Huh? She was having contractions during the counseling? Yes. And uh, she said, I felt like killing him a couple times already. (laughs) And uh, I said, well, I said, uh, we've only only been able to do this because of the Lord. We've only been able to make it through 53 years because of the Lord. We've hung on to the Lord. It's not been easy. Believe you me, it's not been easy those 53 years. There have been a lot of things that have brought us to places where a lot of people would probably have been divorced. Or a lot of people would have given up on their children. But the Lord said that's not the way to go. I still have we still have a son in prison. I haven't we haven't heard from him in a few weeks, and I'm concerned about him because his health isn't good. But the Lord is taking care of him. We have to stand and agree with the Lord. We have to put him in the Lord's hands. And that is the only way to go day by day, hour by hour, is to put things in the Lord's hands. I look out the window, and yesterday was my mom's, would have been my mom's birthday. She would have been 98 years old. Last night, we were listening to the Gaithers, and they had that song on. It was Billy Graham's, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And I think of that song a lot, especially when I look out at the bird feeder and the sparrows are there. And I think about that. His eyes on the sparrow. I know he is watching me. I know he is taking care of me. I know he is taking care of us.
He isn't leaving us alone. He is there with us. And that brings me through the day a lot. And that causes me to praise him a lot during the day. And thank him a lot during the day. It causes me to think of my Jesus a lot during the day. Because there are a lot of times that I see those sparrows. There are a lot of times I see those bright red cardinals. The fish in my pond. The flowers that are starting to bloom. Life. Life. In Jesus, things that he has given us, things that he has blessed us with. How can we not praise the Lord? How can we not rely on him? Because he's given us so many things to bless us and to think of him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Angelina. I actually have one. We went to, uh, we were in Lancaster, took a little spring break with the kids and went to Sight and Sound, which everyone told me was going to be amazing. And I agree, it was incredible. It was better than a movie. It's like, I'm not going to describe it. It, it. Go to Sight and Sound if you're in Lancaster ever. We saw Jesus. And I'm not quite finished processing all of that, but one of the things that really impressed me was the religious leaders having such a problem with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, who he hung out with, who he loved. The, like you were talking about, the, the, there, there weren't limits. To, there aren't limits to his grace. And that gets you into trouble with religious people who are concerned about setting the boundaries of right and wrong and good and bad through the law. But love fulfills a deeper meaning that the law was trying to point at that goes beyond itself. And so he shows up as love and... and they just are confused by him, and they're offended by him. And uh, there's this scene where he's trying to explain what he's doing, and so he tells the story from Luke 15 of the of the the, the two sons and the two lost sons. And that's what Jesus is. He's described. I'm going after my sons that are lost, my daughters that are lost, and I'm going after the one. And then he's explaining the parable on the on the boat. As they're boating, not driving, to the Gadarenes, and there's the demoniacs up in the tree, and, and the disciples are like, where are you going? And there's pigs, and this is Gentile land. What are you doing, Jesus? And he says, I'm going after the one, and jumps off the boat, and runs to the guy. And, and then later, you know, <laughs> among the disciples, there's an argument. And one of them says, have you forgotten when you were the one that he went after? And it just, it just struck me really hard. Like being in pastoral leadership, I'm with the 99 a lot. And I love the 99 and I've devoted my life to the 99. But it was like, hey, I was the one. And can we be about the one? And can this thing be about kingdom again and not church? And I, you know, I'm not saying that as a criticism of us. 
it just it just was such a like a, a like it felt like a like a fresh word from the Lord to my heart. Have you forgotten when you were the one? And what? The, yeah. Um, kind of like on the heels of what Tim just said, um, the past four years, God's been showing me like a lot of things that have really opened my eyes to, um, basically unlearning a lot of things that I felt that I knew. Mm -hmm. And, um, sometimes like when Bill Vanderbush was here, like he talked about, uh, how you can be very religious when you come into grace too, because you're religious about grace or you're religious about the finished work to the point where you forget that, um, one time you thought the same way that the people you're trying to argue into the kingdom were. And I was listening to the testimony of this guy and he, um, he said that the father told him to go eat with these leaders at a church. And he was like, well, father, they don't think the way that I do. They don't, um, they don't believe the same things that I believe. And he's like, well, I don't believe everything. I don't believe the way you believe either, but I still hang out with you. (laughs) So it's like, you know, um, so I think what God has been teaching me is how to flow in the rhythms of his grace and learn when to speak um, when it's going to produce freedom, like, am I speaking because I'm wanting to release freedom and I'm feeling like it's God or am I just wanting to be right? Because I, because there is like a deep conviction, like a lot of times that I feel where I get angry because I feel like someone's misrepresenting God. But sometimes we need to like remind ourselves, like he didn't get angry at me when I thought, he was different than he really is. And so he's just, just to encourage us that um, we're all on a journey and we're all in different places of that journey and to just be patient with each other and um, to not attack each other in our, in our thinking and what we think is right and what we don't. And um, it all comes back to love, just like what, Brian was saying so thank you for that Amber that is one thing I really want us to grasp is sometimes it's easier to extend grace to the people on the fringes who know they have need than it is for the ones with the religious attitude that demand that they're right but Jesus grace is for them too we have to be willing to walk across that that bridge and meet them too. Anyone else? Thanks, Tim. Um, So this morning, Sherry came and sat next to me and she said, Garth, how are you? And I was like, "Uh, if there is um, anxiety in human form, I'm it. (laughs) And she began to tell me a story uh, about her brother, um, or her brother-in-law, I should say, from this past week. 
And her statement was to be open. At the end of it, the conclusion of the story, excuse me, because I don't want to jack up the story because it's not mine to tell, um, was to be open, to be genuine, and to allow all those emotions be what they are. Uh, From November to present date, if this upsets you, I'm sorry. I've been very pissed off with God. But I choose not to be faithful even in the midst of my anger even in the midst of my questioning, even with my frustrations with you guys sometimes. Because genuinely, I am one of those that's when it's like, don't test the Lord. Oh, I show up on Sunday morning miserable, and I'm like, Lord, if you're real, send someone. But if you send someone, I'm going to be more angry. So I don't know why we're doing this game, but let's play it. I say this because it's not fun all the time. It's not easy I am not convinced that God exists because I've experienced him, because I went to some conference, because I had an encounter in the midst of worship, or because I prayed a special prayer. That's not my my faith or how I've gotten here. I logically come to the conclusion that there has to be a first cause for the existence of the world, and that first cause has a name. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm in relationship with this dude that created the world. And sometimes we get along really, really well. And sometimes we don't. And then I find out that it's the story that I'm telling myself. That I'm creating this this storyline in my head that he created it and he stepped back because he really wanted to toy with us and figure out if we would come back to him. And then there are other moments where I'm like, no, he's constantly pursued me. He has sent me to people. He has put me in places that have continued to reveal his heart. And it's those moments that I realize when I would love to kill everything that is spiritual with my bare hands, that he brings it to life and sets it right in front of me. Which is quite funny that Tim is in front of me because it comes through this vessel quite frequently and I appreciate it. (laughs) So I say this because even even when you feel dead, even when it feels like the desert, even when you want something from someone else, and sometimes you don't want to ask for it, or you do choose to ask for it, whether that's prayer, whether that's confession, because I love, I love the aspect in Scripture where it says, confess to, your, to one another and you will be forgiven. Another way to read it, according to my lovely Reformed friends, is because you are forgiven, you can confess to one another. The thought is not because you have sinned and you need forgiveness. No, because you are forgiven, you can talk about your sins. You can talk about your shortcomings and your frustrations. Over the 11 years that I have been in this walk and experienced great moments, I realize that God is continuing to redeem everything that I do. Even my deconstruction of my faith, to throw it all out and to start over. To encourage you to do the same is my suggestion, because God is so much bigger than what you've ever been taught. He's bigger than what I can rationally come to as a If you will play with me this little game for a moment, a humanist Christian that finds himself in the belief of something that is external through the internal, if that makes any sense to any of you. So I... 
I can explain it later. Okay. Oh, I was giving you whatever you wanted. All right. So thanks be to God that he continues to resurrect those sad parts of our lives, the exciting parts, the questioning, the pushing into discomfort. And thank you for some of you that get to deal with me in a very personal way, um, where I share a lot more of the ugliness. And for the rest of you, maybe we'll get there. Um, I like to say yes, but I am a, uh, a very bordered-off person. And God's continuing to redeem that as well. It is less about you and more about my, my pride. So thanks be to God that he's redeeming that as well. I was like, I said to God, don't make me talk. But he kept saying, you're going to talk anyways. Um, I could just say that this year was the most difficult year of my life for multitude of reasons, just a lot. And But at the same time, even though it was the most difficult year, I can also say it's the year of growth the most. Um... There was times I was in my bedroom screaming at God, saying I can't take any more. Um, and then I thought, well, I can't take any more. More would happen, and I'd be like, what's going on? I can't take any more. And uh, I, I always felt at the end of my rope. And there was times where I was yelling and screaming and saying to him, like, why aren't you here with me? And... And it wasn't that he wasn't there with me. He was there. I was just shut off. I shut myself off because I didn't want to talk to him. I wanted to yell at him, but I didn't want to hear what he had to say for me. It was a place of fear of what he was going to say. And just so much anger towards him for what was going on in life. But this last month specifically, he reminded me of times he was there when I was just acting like he wasn't. And he would bring me back to moments and remind me that he was there the whole time. Um, And that sometimes when you don't know what's going on and there's nothing you can do, or you feel like there's nothing you can do, He's working, and he's moving things, and he's placing things, and uh, he's definitely poured a lot of grace, and um, it's definitely been a tough year, but he's shown me that he didn't plan these events, he doesn't, he didn't make choices and, and things that were happening aren't always the way they're supposed to happen, but he was going to redeem those things, and he was going to use those things to help me grow and put me on the path that he wants me to go. And so even though some stuff that happened, especially um, the loss of my aunt most recently that I can think of, um, it was just, he was going to use that. 
he was going to use it. He was going to make... He was going to make me realize that there was nothing... The things that I was leaning on weren't going to fix the things and that all I needed was him. So I felt like I, this year was like a place where everything was pulled out so that I could lean on him and learn from him. And I'm really thankful for the grace he's poured out. We are all testimonies of his grace. Every single one of us. His love and his grace has been extended to you. And you might be surprised at the ways he uses you to extend it on to somebody else. Why don't you guys stand? Is there a ministry team today? Yeah? Okay. If you want prayer for anything specific, there will be people up here that are more than willing to pray with you. you have a word, Stan? Um, my Bible was sharing. The Lord gave me three things. Be steadfast, unmovable, and unshakable for people. Because, because that's, what God, that's what God was. He, was. he was all three of those things for his people. And that's the way we need to be, um, is, is that, so. Thank you, Stan. Father, I thank you that you have lavished us with love and grace. And may this week we learn to be the people of Jesus and extend your kingdom in any way that you put in front of us. Amen.